Hello, this is episode 8 of this podcast and it is titled Dennis Nielsen, the Serial Killer. This case is of the very famous killer in the UK called Dennis Nielsen. He is believed to have killed at least 15 men and young boys. This episode will be split into two parts. This case is well known in the UK particularly. It involves a serial killer called Dennis Nielsen, who was from Scotland originally, but committed his terrible crimes in England. Dennis Nielsen was born on the 23rd of November of 1945. He is officially classed as a serial killer and a necrophile. It is not known exactly how many men and young boys he murdered. He was convicted of six murders and two attempted murders, but he admitted there were many more victims than that. They just did not have enough evidence to charge him with the other murders, it would seem. It is widely suspected that Dennis Nielsen killed between 12 and 15 men and young boys. His crime spree ran from the 30th of December 1978 until the 26th of January of 1983 when he was finally caught. This part of the episode will focus on Dennis Nielsen's early life and the lead up to the murders. Dennis Nielsen was born in Fraserburgh in Aberdeenshire which is in Scotland. He was the second of three children. His parents were Elizabeth, his mother, and Olav, his father. His father was a Norwegian soldier who had travelled to Scotland in 1940. He married Elizabeth in May of 1942. The newlyweds at first lived with her parents. The marriage was not a good one, apparently. After the birth of their third child, Elizabeth decided that the marriage was over. The couple divorced in 1948. The children... Olaf Jr., Dennis and Sylvia stayed with their mother Elizabeth. Elizabeth received a lot of support from her own parents who helped with the grandchildren as well as helping Elizabeth out. Dennis, it has been reported, was particularly fond of his maternal grandfather. The children would often go on long walks with their grandfather who was called Andrew White. Dennis would later describe this time of his childhood as being very happy. Dennis Nielsen's grandfather was a fisherman who was often at sea, but Dennis would cherish the time that he got to spend with him when he returned. However, in 1951, Andrew's health started to go downhill. He still continued to go out to sea with the other fishermen. He had to earn a living after all. On the 31st of October of 1951, while fishing in the North Sea, Dennis Nielsen's grandfather died suddenly of a heart attack. He was 62 years old. His body was brought back to shore and given back to the family. He was laid out in an open coffin for a short while at the family home just before the funeral. Dennis Nielsen would later recall that despite his young age, he has a very vivid memory about the death of his beloved grandfather. Dennis's mother asked him if he wanted to see his grandfather in his open coffin. Dennis said he would like to see him. His mother had told him that his grandfather was sleeping and that he had gone to a better place. It has been reported over the years that after Dennis lost his grandfather, he became withdrawn and would not participate in family activities and would avoid any attempts by family members to show any affection towards him. It would appear that Dennis became resentful of the time that his mother spent with his brother and sister and the amount of attention that she gave them. 
Dennis seemed to envy his older brother Olav's popularity, but he did have a close relationship with his sister Sylvia, who was younger than him. Dennis would often spend time on the beach, sometimes just looking out to sea, but he would also sometimes swim in the sea as well. On one of his solo trips to the beach, either in 1954 or 1955, Nielsen was reportedly almost dragged out to sea by a strong current. He panicked and started flaying his arms about and shouting. He would later say that he thought that his grandfather was going to somehow rescue him. He also said that after a while he started to feel a sense of tranquillity despite the situation that he found himself in. However, an older boy managed to rescue him and dragged him back to shore. It was shortly after this near-drowning event that Dennis Nielsen's mother Elizabeth remarried. She married a local builder called Andrew Scott and they went on to have four children together. Dennis apparently did not initially get on very well with his new stepfather but he gradually grew to get along with him and had a better relationship. It is just as well that he managed to get along with his family. There were many of them, after all, with the four siblings from Elizabeth's second marriage and his two siblings from her first marriage. It was a very busy place at home. Dennis Nielsen realised that he was gay from the onset of puberty and he has since claimed that he was both confused and also ashamed by it. He kept his sexuality secret from his family and also from his friends. He also found life quite dull in the rural town that he lived in and yearned for more excitement and entertainment opportunities. At the age of 14, he joined the Army Cadet Force. He viewed the Army as a way of eventually leaving behind his rural life. Dennis Nielsen was reported to be above average at school and he was good at art and appeared to enjoy history. He, however, did not like playing sports at all. He left school in 1961 and briefly worked in a local factory. However, after working at the factory for only three weeks, he decided he wanted to join the army instead. He wanted to train as a chef and to feed the soldiers. Dennis passed the entrance exam and began his army career in September of 1961. He trained to become a chef with the Army Catering Corps at St Alma Barracks in Aldershot in England. He, he would later say that the three years that he spent training at Aldershot would be some of the happiest times of his life. It was while he was training at Aldershot that his feelings towards other men began to develop more. He did not want others to know that he was gay so he did not confide in anyone. He would also avoid taking a shower with the other men in fear of getting excited at the sight of their naked bodies. In mid-1964, after passing his initial catering exam, he was assigned to relocate to West Germany. He would serve as a private. It was during this time in West Germany that Dennis Nielsen began drinking heavily. Later, once arrested, Dennis Nielsen would say that it was also while serving in West Germany that he began to have a lot of sexual fantasies about men that would involve the other person being unconscious and therefore completely passive. He would fantasise mainly about young, slender men and sometimes his fantasies would include the man he was thinking about actually being dead in order for Dennis to enjoy the fantasy. Dennis also said later that he would also hope that if he was so drunk, one of his fellow soldiers would try and take advantage of him and use his body, but supposedly this never actually happened, which added to his frustrations. After about two years serving in West Germany, he was redeployed once again to Aldershot, where he would also finish his exams. 
After he was fully qualified as a chef within the British Army, he was redeployed to Norway and then to the state of Aden. Aden is a state within the Federation of South Arabia. This posting would end up becoming a more dangerous one for Dennis Nielsen, especially compared to his two previous postings in West Germany and then Norway. He would recall that his regiment lost a few men during this time, often involving the soldiers being ambushed when they were returning to their barracks. Dennis himself was actually kidnapped by an Arab taxi driver and he ended up being beaten and placed in the boot of the car. But according to Dennis, he managed to overpower the man once he was let out of the car later and hit the driver and then placed him in the boot of the car. Dennis Nielsen had a very vivid fantasy life and many times he would use themes which would often dominate his thoughts. Often he would imagine a young man, either unconscious, extremely drunk or even dead. He would fantasise about having sex with them and then dominating them. When his deployment to Aden was over, he returned to the UK. He was redeployed to Plymouth in Devon, England. He would cook for about 30 soldiers and two officers every day. He served in Plymouth for a year before moving on to Cyprus in 1969. He only served in Cyprus for a few months before once again moving on to another deployment, this time in Berlin. It was while in Berlin that he claimed he had his first actual sexual experience with a woman. He chose a prostitute. He went on to brag about it to his fellow soldiers, but he would later admit that he did not like the experience at all. He ended up back in the UK again sometime later. He finished his military career after 11 years in the Shetland Islands in October of 1972. Dennis Nielsen spent a few months living back with his family after leaving the army. Apparently, during this time, his mother would often ask him about any girlfriends and she seemed keen for him to find someone and to get married and then start a family. Also, during this time, Dennis Nielsen's brother, Olav, told their mother that he thought that Dennis was, in fact, gay. Dennis was horrified and never spoke to his brother again and would only have sporadic written correspondence with the rest of his family, including his mother. It was at this point that Dennis decided on the next phase of his career. He decided to move to London and join the Metropolitan Police. In April of 1973, Dennis Nielsen completed the police training and was now a junior constable. He was still, still drinking a lot at this stage, often alone at home. In 1973, Dennis first started to go to gay clubs and pubs in London and had several casual encounters with other men. Dennis Nielsen's real father, Olav, died in 1973 and left all of his three children £1,000 each. Later that same year, Dennis left the police force. He then took a job as a security guard for just over a year. In May 1974, he found a more stable job as a civil servant where he worked in a job centre in Denmark Street in Greater London. His job role was to try and match people to jobs so that they did not have to stay on benefits for very long. Dennis was known to be a conscientious member of staff and he belonged to the trade union as well. Dennis would gain several promotions over the years and had extra responsibilities because of this. In June of 1982, he was transferred from the job centre at Denmark Street to the job centre in Kentish Town in north-west London. 
which is only about two and a half miles from his previous workplace in Denmark Street. Dennis Nielsen would remain working at the job centre in Kentish Road until he was arrested for murder. During Dennis Nielsen's time living in London, he lived at a place called Melrose Avenue, which is in the Cricklewood district of London. He also had a long-term relationship, which began in November of 1975 with a young man named David. David had recently moved to London from Western Supermare. He was unemployed and lived in a hostel at the time. After the two men spent some time together, Dennis invited David to move in with him. They moved to a larger flat, still in Melrose Avenue, Cricklewood. The address was 195 Melrose Avenue and would feature later on during the trial of Dennis Nielsen. The flat that they rented came with exclusive use of the garden, which was at the rear of the property. This would become very useful in the years to come. Dennis Nielsen would later talk about his relationship with David. He said that they rarely had sex and that the relationship was superficial and became strained after a year or so. David would also later say that Dennis had never been physically abusive to him, but that he would regularly berate him, which left a bad feeling between the two men. In May of 1977, Dennis asked David to leave the property and because Dennis was the person paying the rent and David was still unemployed, David left. Dennis would have a few brief relationships over the next 18 months or so, but nothing meaningful at all. By the late 1978, Dennis Nielsen was living alone after many failed attempts at being in a secure relationship. He would concentrate on his work and spent his evenings mostly alone drinking and listening to music in his flat. It is not known if Dennis would socialise with any of his work colleagues or if he had any friends outside of his failed relationships, but it would seem that he lived a fairly solitary existence at this time in his life. The drinking, which had for many years been heavy, continued to be so, and he would sometimes visit gay pubs in the local area. As stated before, he had very little contact with his family and they did not visit him when he was in London and it would appear that he did not visit them back in Scotland. A few letters were written by Dennis to his mother at this point, but that was about it. He was said to have taken his job very seriously and that he would stick to the rules and expect other people to as well. Dennis Nielsen would commit his first murder after about 18 months of being on his own after David moved out. He would go on to murder many young men and boys and he attempted to murder another two at least. But at least with the two survivors, even though they had experienced such a trauma, they were at least able to provide an insight into Dennis Nielsen's mind. It would seem as though on at least one occasion Dennis Nielsen had started to strangle one of his victims, but for whatever reason he ended up saving his life instead. He had strange reasons for why he killed some of his victims, including the reason that one of his victims just got on his nerves and he just wanted him gone. He did not know all of the names of the men that he had lured back to his flat and subsequently went on to kill. Some victims are still unidentified to this day. There is no doubt in my mind that Dennis Nielsen did not regard any of the men in any positive way at all. They were just people who had gone back to his flat and that for whatever reason he had just decided to kill them. 
There have been many books written about Dennis Nielsen over the years and also he gave an, an interview from prison with a journalist for a documentary which was aired on national television in the UK. In mid-1981, Dennis Nielsen would move to a new flat, this time one without access to a garden. Also, he was now living in an attic flat. His new address was 23D Cranley Gardens, which was located in the Muswell Hill area of North London. This new address would be his downfall, as it would turn out, because it was a blocked drain at this address that would lead to his eventual arrest a few years later. I will go into details of all of Dennis Nielsen's known victims, including the two attempted murder victims that were left traumatised by his cruel actions. I've gone through Dennis Nielsen's background, his life with his family in Scotland, the death of his grandfather, who he was particularly close to. I've looked at his teenage years growing up, knowing that he was gay and how uncomfortable he felt by it. By going into details of his working life, it provides information on Dennis Nielsen. Some of his skills that he learnt on his catering course and subsequent career as a chef certainly helped him with some aspects of his crimes that would later follow. After his permanent move to England after many years, either living in a very rural part of Scotland and also years in different countries in the army, he clearly found more opportunities available to him. Moving to London in the late 1970s meant that he could have more access to other gay men and his family or his army comrades would not be around to witness it. It was not the easiest time to live as a gay man, but London was probably easier than a lot of other places he had lived. He held down a steady job at the job centre for a number of years and was able to live pretty much the life that he wanted at the time. His drinking was always heavy and had been for many years. Dennis Nielsen comes across, in my opinion, as a very selfish man who only really thought about his own needs. During the time that he was carrying out many murderous attacks on mainly vulnerable young men and boys, he at no time had tried to put a stop to it by handing himself into the police or by killing himself. Even when, like a lot of serial killers, everything got really out of control, he still waited for the police to find him rather than hand himself in. However, once he was in custody, he admitted everything, which surprised the police officers because although they knew that he had tried to dispose of a body and that, in all likelihood, he had murdered the victim, they had no idea that he was actually a serial killer. And apart from one of his known victims... None of the other men had even been reported missing. The men were mostly living on the streets, or at least estranged from their own families, so nobody even realised that they were missing. Thankfully, Dennis Nielsen was eventually discovered, charged and put away for the rest of his life. Some of his victims were able to be recovered and laid to rest. Some only had small pieces of bone to bury and some of his victims had no remains at all to give back to the family, the burial. Not all of his victims were positively identified. Some were only discovered due to the murderer himself giving enough information to identify the victim. In the next part of this episode, I will cover the poor victims and the eventual arrest of Dennis Nielsen. Credits for information contained in this episode go to wikipedia and biography.com.
Hello, this is part two of episode eight of this podcast. It covers the case of the UK serial killer, Dennis Nielsen. In part one of this episode, I concentrated on Dennis Nielsen's background, his family life, his years growing up, and also his later years in the army, the police force, and lastly, the job centre. I also looked a little bit at some of his known relationships, including including how he got on with his family and his closeness and apparent fondness that he had had towards his maternal grandfather. I also looked a little into his relationships with his seemingly only long-term partner, who was called David. I'm now going to look at Dennis Nielsen's victims and what is known about them and how they died. Also, I will look at his known victims that would amazingly survive his murderous attacks and manage to get out alive. They also were able to provide valuable insight to the police during the investigation and the subsequent court case. (laughs) 